He does indeed. If you'll bow with me. Father, we come at this time to bring a message. Lord, I pray that the, the message be what you would have it to be. Lord, as we talk about telling our story, being Christ's ambassadors. Lord, that we would embrace what that means for each of us in the place where we are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, turn to your neighbor and um, have them smile at you and check their teeth. <laughs> We're just seeing who had muffins and who didn't. <laughs> um, our <laughs> passage today is out of uh, the second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I have, I have a praise because I, I love how God works, and this is not a let me scramble and redo my message after the election. This is a planned since whenever it was, months ago, passage of Scripture and message. God always knows, guys. I know the world right now is, is kind of, the, our country's got a lot of stuff going on. God is still God. God is still God. He's still got us. And we are to be his ministers of reconciliation. We are his ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors to the world. What does that mean? What, when, you, when you hear ambassador, tell me, what does that mean to you? Representative, peacemaker, speaker, peacemaker, representative speaker. We are Christ's representative, Christ, we're Christ's voice, right? He, he's going to speak through us to the people in this world. We, we, he asks us to be peacemakers. We represent him everywhere that we go and everything that we do. We're called to be that. Now, that doesn't happen by accident. If, if, if we're to fulfill what he's asking of us, then we have some intentional things that we need to do. We have to decide to show Christ's love. And there are different ways that we can do that. And I want to talk about some of those ways this morning. It's going to require both our words and our deeds. We often like our deeds to speak for us because talking to people is uncomfortable and difficult and, we might, and we, they might reject us. So, so I hope that you notice that, that God is with me in the stuff that I do, but I ain't going to talk about Jesus to nobody. He asks us for our words and our deeds to bring those two things together. But to do that effectively, we need a plan. We need to at least think about what, what does that look like in my life? What does that look like at school? What does that look like at my job? What does that look like wherever I go? So I have a couple of questions for us to consider this morning. One is, what situation needs God's love? So when you're trying to figure out, okay, Lord, I want to be your hands and feet. I want to accomplish this Christ ambassadorship. How do I do that? The, one of the first is, okay, what situations need Christ's love in your life? 
Where is it that Christ's love is needed? And pray about that and try to, try to listen to what God would, would say about that. And then ask as well, what are the resources that I'm going to need, both personal and material? Because oftentimes we go into circumstances without thinking through what it's going to take. Because it's going to require something of us. Being a Christian is going to require something of me. Say that with me, just so I know you've got it. Being a Christian is going to require something of me. That's just true. It requires something of us. It requires some time from us. It requires energy from us. It requires effort from us. It requires us to seek God's will, to, to try to figure out where it is that God is calling me to be in this place, and how can I respond to that? When my mom was diagnosed with cancer, I was about seven months sober back in 1990. She was given six months to live. It was lung that had metastasized to her brain, and they didn't give her much of a chance. But because I was in recovery, I could be a support to my dad. Now, the interesting thing about my dad, some of you know a little bit about my history and who have heard some negative stories about my dad. My dad was a big guy. He was six foot one, athletic, strong, and angry, and drank too much. So growing up, you didn't meet him at the door. Because it might be, Dad, let's get a ball and play catch. Or it might be drunk, angry Dad who slapped you across the room. So you didn't meet him at the door. You waited to see which dad, which dad it was. That's my dad. And now my mom is sick. And I'm in recovery, trying to work through my stuff. And because of that, I was able to be there. My dad said, I'm afraid. My dad? Afraid? My dad was mad. He never got afraid. That six foot one big guy was suddenly smaller. We became friends. He told me about what it was like for him growing up. And I finally understood some of why he behaved how he did. Because it came from somewhere. He just wanted to be a good dad, and he didn't know how. God prepared me in that moment to be present for my dad. He equipped me, because I was a wreck in early recovery. This, this emotionally stable and mature person you see up here before you. <laughs> <laughs> I was a mess in early recovery. I would wake up, wow, I did a great day, and two hours later, later be suicidal. It was just this wild ride. So I was seeing a counselor and doing all the things in order to get healthy. And because of those things, God had me in a place where I was able to support my dad and to develop a relationship with him that was beyond anything that I could have imagined. In the midst of a Difficult circumstance came grace and love. Now, I couldn't tell you then that this was part of the, my plan, but it was part of God's plan. And when we're available for God's plan, those kind of things happen. So think about, okay, where is it that God's love is needed? And how can I be prepared? What resources is it going to require of me? And there's 
a primary thing. You can trust the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be present in those conversations. The Holy Spirit is going to guide you and lead you. When you don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit does. And sometimes the Holy Spirit says, don't say anything, just listen. It allows you to be present in those moments. The Holy Spirit is with us. And don't get hung up when it gets hard. Persecution, you may not realize this, but persecution is a normal part of the process if we live fully as Christians. Did you know that? It's going to happen. Jesus himself, Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of things evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus is telling us, if you're going to live for me, then some folks are not going to like that. And they're going to tell you about that. And they're going to say you believe in a, in a fairy tale God, in a fantasy, that this isn't real. And if you can't see it, it's not real. That, that what is real is science and nature and all those things. All the things that were created by God that aren't God. Those things, that's what's real. That's what's tangible. You're going to get all that. But God turns something upside down here. Jesus does this a lot. The thing that we avoid, right, is persecution. Anybody in here want to be persecuted? Wow, all of you? Sorry, it's being recorded. I just thought I'd throw that in. <laughs> None of us want to be persecuted, right? I don't want to be persecuted. But if I'm going to stand for Jesus, then I better be willing to be persecuted, willing for folks to not like what I have to say or how I live. Or That's part of the deal. But here's the beauty. Here's the upside-downness. When we embrace that, what does God do? Uses it. What's the passage say? <coughs> Blesses. You'll be blessed. When you're persecuted. Now, we don't want to be persecuted, and yet there's blessing in it. Wrestle with that one for a while. There are tensions in our faith. This is one of them. But embrace it because blessing comes from it. Be who you are for him. Don't stumble over things from your past, right? There's stuff that's behind you. And we let it get into our present. And it keeps us from being who we are. I don't want to be my dad. I want to be Mike. I used to want to please him beyond anything that you can imagine because it was impossible. I don't want to do that anymore. Now I want to be who I am. Off the wall sometimes, a little bit crazy at times, but it's who I am. And I don't have to be who he wanted me to be. I don't have to be who my mom wanted me to be. I don't have to be who anybody out there wants me to be. You know who I, I need to be worried about? Me for him. Who is God wanting me to be? See, that's your wrestling question, right? Who is it that God wants Rick Hutchison to be? Who is it that God wants Mike Roberts to be? Bridget Roberts? Eric Roberts? Who is it that God wants y'all to be? Right? Right, Bob? That's right. Who is it Naomi is going to be? 
That's the question. Don't worry about that stuff in the back. Don't let it get up on you. Stuff's gone. And be who you are. Be authentic. It's all about authenticity. Our model is Christ. Jesus loved people. And he was all about building relationships. So we need to be like Christ. Be you for him and build those relationships. Be available for it. We have a period of time right now in our country that we have an opportunity to be Jesus Christ in this world. They need him, and they need us to show him. That's our, there's a window. Yeah, everything's going kind of crazy. What if we're Jesus? What if we love people? What if we love the people we don't like and show people that Jesus is real? This world doesn't want to do that. Why don't we do that? Why don't we be the body of Christ? Amen? Amen. That's our calling. That's our job. Be you for him. I heard a speaker once. He talked about when he graduated from seminary, he went out and bought his best Billy Graham suit. Got him a Pat Robertson tie. This is a long time ago. A Jim Baker haircut. Which he changed immediately. And then we went out preaching and nobody got saved. He didn't impact anybody. It wasn't until he let go of trying to be somebody else and worry about being him that he started to have an impact in his ministry. Be who you are for Christ. He'll do the rest. Holy Spirit's with you. He'll do the rest. Discipleship is relational. It's about relationships. It's about showing up. It's about being friends to folks. Being available to folks. Walk to Emmaus. Hey, there's uh, 15 talks on that weekend. One of them is called Christian Action. And there's th- a threefold process that I really, really like when it comes to, this, to sharing who we are, sharing our story, sharing our faith. Because it's not real complicated. I'm a, I don't like to complicate. Well, that's not true. I was going to say I don't like to complicate. I like to complicate things, but I fight against it because, because it's important to, to simplify. So it really starts with making a friend. Right? Evangelism 101, witnessing 101, make a friend. Take initiative to get to know the person. And it's not with an ulterior motive, by the way. Because sometimes people go into it, okay, I'm going to make a friend, be a friend, introduce that friend to Christ so that I can. Nope. You know why you're going to make a friend? Because we all need friends. We all need somebody in our life that we can hang out with. Understand that person's life situation. Understand who they are. What are their needs? What are their support? Listen. They can be an atheist. They can be an agnostic. They can be whatever. Just be there. Just be available. Just show them God's love. And then be that person's friend. Share your life. It's not a one-way street. A friendship is back and forth, right? If you're really friends with people, then, then there's a back and forth that goes with that. So share your life with them. Be there in rough times as well as good times. Hang out with them. Offer them a system. Show them that unconditional agape love that Jesus tells us about and shows us. And let them see that there's a living faith in your life. Let them see that. And to introduce your friend to Christ is not about, you know, very rarely do we get to pray <laughs> To the sinner's prayer with somebody. That usually happens in another setting. But introducing your friend to Christ is, happens when they, 
They're going through a tough, tough time and they say, I don't know what to do. How do you get through this? Door opens, right? Well, let me tell you about, about my God. Or maybe you got, went through something really difficult. And they come to you and they say, how did that happen? You went through that and, and you, know, you made it and how did you get through it? And you get to tell them about your faith. You get to tell them about the God who's in your heart. See, it's not a complicated process when we stay available and when we're intentional about preparation, being prepared to tell our story. We're going to start a, in January, we're going to start a core curriculum process. And the first part of that is about testimony. It's about being prepared when someone comes to you to be prepared to tell what Christ has done in your life. And we need to be willing to do something else. We need to be willing to stand with people that Jesus stood with. Often we stand in safe places with each other, but we need to be willing to get out of that. That's why I serve is so good. We need to go hang out with people who aren't in the same circumstances that we are. Because when we get insulated, we, we, can, we can group up and then we cannot be Jesus anymore. Then we become whatever... This is going to sound bad, but I don't know how not to say it bad. We become churchians, right? We're not Christians anymore because Jesus isn't really a part of it. We're churchians. We're in the church. We just don't do anything that Jesus tells us to do. And we're of no good to pretty much anybody except one another when we do that. See, we're not called to be churchians. We're called to be Christians, followers of Christ. Who did Jesus hang out with? Sinners. 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 You know, who are we hanging out with? That's the challenge, isn't it? Because everybody's a sinner, right? So am I hanging out with the sinners who, who I'm comfortable with? <laughs> or am I hanging out with the sinners I'm uncomfortable with? Because who Jesus hang out with there too? What the Pharisees think about who Jesus hung out with? <laughs> they weren't upright Christians. They, they were those guys out there, you know, tax collectors and, and stuff. We have to be willing to step out of our comfort zone. Where we stand determines what we see. And what we see determines our response. The human reality that we see determines our response. If I only stand with y'all and I never get out of that, then I'm going to have a specific view of the world. And I have to get out of that comfort zone. That's why mission trips, that's why next summer is so important for our youth as they go to Puerto Rico to be around true poverty. Because we need to see those things. We need to be impacted by those things because where we stand shows us what we're going to see in our life and how we're going to act. My public sobriety hasn't always been as easy as it is now. About 16 years ago at Sugarloaf, I was asked to give a five-minute testimony. Now, five minutes isn't very long, but this was to be given in front of two services on a Sunday morning, and back then that was about 1,000 people. That's 2,000 eyes, in case you... 
I prayed about it, and I wrote down the truth. I actually wrote down the truth, because the pastor said, give me a, t- <laughs> give me a list of what you're going to do. And I gave it to that pastor, and I told him, if he didn't want me to be that open, I'd be perfectly okay with that. <laughs> and his response was that he told me, no, it's fine. Which scared me to no end. Because the stuff I was going to share was ugly. So, that morning, to about a thousand people, about two thousand eyes, I talked about as a young man getting my girlfriend pregnant and paying for an abortion. Talked about being molested as a youth, going to jail, attempting suicide at 25. My addiction. And I talked about how God worked all that out to his glory. And I thought the chances were pretty good that that morning I was going to catch some flack because this is church. And talking like that in church is frowned upon, right? At least that's what what my head was telling me. If you do that, they won't let you come back. And I did get some feedback. It just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. A friend of mine worked in the nursery, and one of the folks who was there when she went to pick up her kids said, you know, if this church can accept a guy like that, then maybe I can come here too. And about 15 to 20 people afterwards pulled me aside to say, you know, me too. Me too. And God took that and used it for his glory. All I did was share my story and what God did with my story. And I became a recovery contact. I'm still in contact with with folks from that period of time. That's my story. What's your story? Who is it that God wants you to read? Because it doesn't have to be addiction and all that stuff. It can be a story of faith. Because there are people who need that. They need to hear that. Mostly they need to hear that God's grace is real. God's grace covers so much of, of what we tend to not let it cover. We hang on to stuff. Don't let your past keep you from your future. Telling your story is a natural and authentic response to God's grace. It's just what God has done in your life. Did you know that you're made in God's image? You are created in God's image. And Satan and the world are attempting to destroy that every day of your life. They try to rob you of that. But you are created in the image of God. That's who you are. That's your identity. That's what to grab hold of. But it's going to be up to us to share that. And to be who we are. But there are things that happen when we do that. I'm going to sing a song. It's an old song. Because we never truly know who we're impacting 
here. But there's going to be a day when that becomes clear. And this song tells that. You can sing along, the words will be up there, you can just sit back and, and listen. Whatever you want to do with this, but know this is, a, this is our future. Upon the streets of gold beside the crystal sea, we heard the angels singing, and someone called your name. We turned and saw a young man running, he was smiling as he came. He said, Friend, you may not know me now. Then he said, but wait, he used to teach my Sunday school when I was only eight. And every week you would say a prayer before the class would start. And one day when you said that prayer, I asked Jesus in my heart. giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. Then another man stood before you said remember the time a missionary came to your church and his pictures made you cry you didn't have much money but you gave it anyway Jesus took that gift you gave that's why I'm here today giving to the Lord I am a life that was changed thank you for giving to the Lord I am so glad you came one by one they came far as the eye could see each life somehow touched by your generosity little things that you had done sacrifices made unnoticed on the earth in heaven now proclaimed and I know up in heaven not supposed to cry but I am almost sure there were teardrops in your eyes 
Jesus took your hand You stood before the Lord He said, my child, look around you Great is your reward Thank you for giving to the Lord I am a life that was changed Thank you for giving to the Lord I am so glad you gave I am so glad you gave See, there's going to be a time for us in the future when we stand before the Lord and we get to see the impact that we had. The things that we do in this place that maybe haven't been noticed. God is noticing. He knows every step that we take. But that's then. And right now we live in a world where we face a lot of challenges. There's a lot going on. And those things are not nearly as awesome as what we're going to face in our eternal future. So surround yourself with people who are going to be encouragers. All right. This life is hard. It's a lot that happens here that, that tries to pull us down. We need people who are going to encourage us and be an encourager as well. We just went through an election this week, right? And the left is rioting and protesting. And the right is not understanding and not knowing what to do with that. A lot of times what I say, I'm, I'm not particularly political, especially not from the pulpit. I'm a moderate, though, a centrist. I'm, you know, so my conservative people think I'm a liberal and <laughs> progressive people think I'm a conservative and actually I'm in the middle. So I get to see both wings. I've got friends all over the place. And it's really been hard for me to watch this week and to see the things going on from both sides and, and to know that the problem is that we refuse to be in relationship with one another. We don't meet in the middle. We don't get to know one another. So most of my conservative friends are hanging out with their conservative folks and they're, not, they're doing their thing and my progressive friends are doing the same thing and there's not this place where we're trying to understand where we're trying to encourage. And it's very destructive. And we're living in a time of destruction. And that's hard. And this week I had this message, right? And this has been prepared from a long time back. And it says, be Christ's ambassador. Be Christ's ambassador. And earlier I said we have great opportunity because, you know, we have great opportunity. Don't care what your ideology is. In this place this morning, we are not conservative or progressive. We are Christian. We are Christ followers. What if we were that everywhere we went? What if the things and the people that we interacted with saw Jesus first 
Yeah, and, and then we can have whatever conversation we need to have in a loving way. But what if we were Christ's ambassadors, ministers of reconciliation? Wow. Ministers of reconciliation. To be reconciled, to bring together. Now, I know this is a big part for me because, you know, people who have known me for a long time, will, I've always been a bridge builder. I'm always looking for a way across. How do we bring this together? How do we find a way forward instead of fighting? How do we find a way forward? And do you know the way forward? Not complicated. Jesus. Whether they believe in Jesus is not the point. Jesus is the way forward. When we love people who are unlovable to us, when we bring Christ into every aspect of our life, that will shine upon the darkness. And the darkness will not stand. The light will take it over and remove it. Now being for Jesus means standing in the gap. Remember that don't be in a safe place? If we're really going to work at this, that means we're going to have to go to places that are, we don't want to go to, necessarily. If we want to see Jesus and see his light shone in places. But find a way to be encouraging. You know, I'm, I, I'm on social media quite a bit. And, or I have been. I'm <laughs> this week has kind of got me backed up a little bit. Um, did you know that when you're on social media, you are Christ's ambassador there too? Did you know that? That the things that we post don't just reflect us as believers. They reflect Jesus. So what I want you to think about this week, what's your message? What are you saying? If you go back through your Facebook feed, what did you say to people this week? Would they see Jesus? You see, we have a right to whatever we want to post. You have a right to that. But years ago, I decided to change the things that I was putting on my Facebook and my Twitter accounts. This is what I seek to do. And if you go through my feed on Facebook, this is what I hope you see. I have some conversations that are difficult with some folks who disagree with me, but those are respectful. We're able to have those. Encourage one another and build each other up. We need it. So do they, whoever the they is. And the passage that I want to use for communion is from Micah, chapter 6. I'm going to read 6 through 8 with an emphasis on 8. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? 
Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shewed thee, shown. He has shown thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God? Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with thy God. Heard a guy one time talking about this do justly. What does, that, what does all that mean? Have mercy is feeding people. It's what Jeff and I serve do. They provide food at no cost for people. That's mercy. Doing justly is helping them find a way to feed themselves. You teach a man, you know, if you give a man a fish, he eats for a day, but if you teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. It doesn't say to do one or the other. It says to do both. So we show mercy to people, whether they earned it or not. And we do justly with people, whether they earned it or not. But it doesn't end there, because we're also to walk humbly with our God. Humbly. In humility, understanding but for the grace of God go I. See, Jesus was God. And he chose the cross. He didn't have to go to the cross. He was God. But he chose to do that to show mercy to us. So when we come together on Communion Sunday, it's an opportunity for us to understand that the God of all creation loves us and has shown mercy to us so that we might show mercy to others. So this morning as you come, I pray that that's in your mind, that you're thinking about how do I do justice? How do I show mercy to others? And am I walking humbly with my God?